Yeah, good morning. How are you guys? You guys doing good in the Christmas season? I just got a couple of stories just to share. The first one, um, I was on my way to the office, but before, like this morning, I, was, I had to go to the office. I had to pick up a few things. I had to print off my notes just in case my computer dies because that tends to happen uh, with some people. So I printed out my notes. So I run into the office. I'm like, I got to be quick. I'm already running really late. Uh, I got here at like quarter to 10 or like 10.30, something, somewhere around there. So I was, I was ready to run in late, so I'm trying to be as quick as possible. And I go into our office, it's locked, so I open it up, walk in, print off my stuff, I'm walking out, and you know, if you've ever been to our office, I'll explain, there's a, there's a door uh, with a green button. Uh, when the office is locked and it's closed, you're supposed to push this green button and it op- to open the door if it's locked. So usually, like, you have your hands full of stuff. You're used to, like, just, like, going through the door and it opens. So usually you, like, carry in and you, like, run through and you look like a fool because the door doesn't open. You actually have to push this green button. Uh, so today, I've got all my stuff. I'm carrying, like a, like, a monitor. I'm carrying a bunch of stuff. And I go and push that green button and it And it's just, it's locked. Like, I pushed the green button, and I thought, okay, maybe this is just me, so I keep pushing this green button and trying to push it, and it's just, like, not opening. And I was like, I'm stuck in the office. <laughs> uh, and luckily, I was, like, running really late, uh, so Angel was like, I'll just go to church with you. Um, but she, like, looks at me. Like, I see her in the car. She looks at me, and she's like, why aren't you, cu-? like, what are you doing? And I'm, like, pushing this thing. And then I think she, like, realizes what's going on, and then she just, like, sits there. <laughs> <laughs> And then last is I'm like stuck in this office. So I'm trying to get out. Uh, so eventually she like comes out and I had to like, we're like trying to talk through the door. I'm like, it's not working. And then realize I just take the key off my ring and I had to like push the door just enough to get the key through. And then Angel was actually able to get me in. Um, so I was like, I was almost worried that I wasn't going to make it here this morning, but I'm glad that I'm here. Um, my name's Colton. I'm the, the youth pastor here at SunWest. And I just want to say that I just really enjoy my job. There's a lot of things that I really enjoy, and especially around the Christmas season, we had our, our youth Christmas bash, our big Christmas party. We had that on Thursday as we're just concluding the, the 2015 year. Um, and I just, yeah, I, it was, we had a big party for like grade six all the way to grade 12. So there's a bunch of kids. We had it at Lake Sundance. It was awesome. We had a potluck. A lot of people brought food. I just want to say thank you to anybody here who's a youth parent that brought food. Um, Turkeys, hams, uh, vegetables, potatoes, whatever it was. Thank you so much. You made it possible for us to to have the event, and it was a big success. We had enough food, which was really good. But part of that, we uh, we did a game a white elephant gift exchange. Has anybody done that, that game? Like where you, where you go to like a family event or a party and you bring like a $10 gift and it goes into the middle and everybody sits around in a circle. And this game took a long time because there's a lot of people. So we had like two people going. But when it's your turn, you're allowed to get up to open up a gift, any gift, uh, or when it's your turn, you can actually steal from somebody else. So these are the rules that I, that I thought I explained. Um, <laughs> But all of a sudden, partway through the game, I, I look and there's this one kid and he's got like five or six gifts and he's walking around and I'm like, like, how did you, how did you get all these gifts? And he's like, I stole them. <laughs> and he's like, and they didn't even notice. <laughs> so I was like, okay, okay. Um, can you like, without them even noticing, can you return those gifts? <laughs> Uh, so I don't know if like either my rules weren't clear, um, but I, I'm going to promise you I'm like learning on that. I'm going to try to be as clear as possible today. 
Uh, so we are on our, our two-part our two-part series of one-hit wonders. So this is, the, this is part two in it of, uh, yeah, this theme, one-hit wonders. But what came to mind, I was like, what makes, and we're talking about songs here, uh, what makes a song a one-hit wonder? I thought there's a few things, and a one-hit wonder is where you actually know the, the song more than you actually know the artist. The song is actually is known more than the artist, and they're leaving like they may produce like hundreds of songs, but they've only got one song that's really catchy and makes it to the top of the billboard, leaving all the rest of their songs really unnoticeable, really not really that good. I don't know if you know many one-hit wonders, but the rest of their stuff, when you're like, oh, that song's really good, I'm going to buy the whole album. You buy the album, and they only have that one song that's really good. They could have just bought that for 90 cents on iTunes instead of spent on the whole album. Um, but let's see if you guys remember some of these one-hit wonders from the past. Does anybody remember, if you grew up in the 70s, does anybody remember a guy named Carl Douglas? Oh, people actually remember. I was like, this is going to be part of my analogy. I'm like, yeah, people probably don't remember this name, Carl Douglas. But you will remember the song Kung Fu Fighting, right? Okay? So you, you remember the song more than you actually remember the artist. That's a one-hit wonder. If you grew up in the 80s, maybe you'll remember... Electric Avenue by Eddie Grant, right? These are, these are some good songs. If you grew up in the 90s, there's a big list of one-hit wonders from you. Uh, Jump, Jump Around by House of Pain. Uh, Ice Ice Baby by Vanilla Ice. Uh, maybe like my, my favorite, Baby Got Back by <laughs> Sir Mix-a-Lot. Not disclosure, not actually my favorite. Um, if you grew up in the 2000s, maybe you'll, you'll remember uh, Who Let the Dogs Out? <laughs> or this one, maybe, yeah. Or Stacy's Mom by Fountains of Wayne. Stacy's Mom is, a, is one of those one-hit wonders that actually stood out to me. It's about, if you don't know the song, uh, it's about a guy who's got a crush on Stacy's mom. Uh, and I thought this was hilarious because I had a friend and his name was Stacy. And if life wasn't hard enough for him, uh, living with a na guy named Stacy, sorry if you have a name Stacy here, but uh, as soon as this song came out, and this is the, the worst of it happened, he was in junior high when it happened. So we would always sing this song in front of him like all the time and, and make fun of him. And, and then eventually, I dated a girl named Stacy. And the song, I quickly realized how inappropriate the song was to sing. <laughs> Uh, but I think there's some things that make a one-hit wonder a one-hit wonder. Number one, they are just so catchy that as soon as you hear them, they're just stuck in your head. And I think Apple has the right to all these songs and they just throw them into their commercials so you can't forget their stuff. It seems like that like every time Apple has a commercial, it's a one-hit wonder. Another reason uh, is that the person who's singing the song is actually popular. Uh, so not even the song, but the person who sings the song is popular. Uh, for example, when the, the Hunger Games came out, Jennifer Lawrence had this big hit. Uh, what is it? The Hanging Tree. But I think it only became popular because it was Jennifer Lawrence. Or for, again, the, the older uh, people in the audience. Maybe you remember King Tut by Steve Martin. Made it 17 on the billboards. Uh, so it was famous because of the person who sang it. And the, another reason I think songs become one-hit wonders uh, is just the, the message behind their, their song. That doesn't even have to be that, that great or catchy, but the meaning behind the song is so um, yeah, important and hits 
hits home and people really understand it. And that's another reason why songs can become one-hit wonders. Uh, And I think that's what we're going to find in today's passage as we go through it, that maybe it's not the catchiest song. It's not going to stick in your head. Maybe it did in the original language, but lost somewhere in English translation that it's just not really that catchy. Um, But there's a content in the song that makes it so good. Uh, And that's what we're going to be talking about today. A good portion of the Bible is actually songs. Like there's a good, good amount of songs in the Bible. Uh, The first song that was ever sang that we have recorded in the Bible is actually from Moses and Miriam. And I was like, why did they sing this song? And this is right after that they were in, in slavery, unable to worship God for 400 years. And they go through the Red Sea and it splits and they make it to the other side. And the first thing that they do is they write this song. To praise and give thanks to God. Uh, most of the songs that we have in the Bible are, are poetry. Uh, that they just, they reflect on God's goodness and who he is. They reflect on his character. They are thank you for answering my prayers. And they're also requests to God. Most of the songs that we have in the Bible are from, from David or Solomon. And those guys are like, those are, they're always hitting the top of the charts. You know, they're not the one-hit wonders. If people are going to quote a song, they're probably quoting something from the Psalms, and you're like, oh yeah, I know this one. That's probably David or, or Solomon. Those are, the, those are the popular guys. Uh, but there are some songs in the Bible that just happen once. And these are what we've been hearing about. We heard about it last week, uh, Mary's song. And this week we're going to hear from a guy named Zachariah. And we're going to hear, hear his song and what he had to say uh, in the ways that he was praising and, uh, yeah, just talking to God. And I think these same reasons of just our praise and talking to God and giving our, our requests are the same reason that we sing songs in, in church today. While we just sing songs here, right? It's talking about who, who God is and his character and thanking him for who he is. And this is what we get from Zechariah. But before I read this song... Um, I would like to tell you a little bit about who this guy is, if you don't know. Uh, We're going to be reading from Luke 1, and this story is found in Luke 1, if you want to either open up your Bibles, follow along in your Bibles. We've also got uh, visitor Bibles that are coming down the the aisles uh, that you can grab if you don't have one, but we're going to be reading from Luke 1. And if you don't have a Bible, and you want one of these Bibles, like to, to get a Bible to read at home, like please, you don't have to return it. Just take this Bible home. That's a, our gift to you because um, I think it's important that we all have, have Bibles that we can read and spend time with God. But Zechariah, he lived in a time of King Herod. And we heard a little bit about King Herod last week. And he was appointed by the Romans to be the king of the Jews. So he was in charge of all the Jews. So this is putting it just into a historical content, context that this happened. This is the time that this story happened. And we have a guy in that time, and his name was, was Zechariah. And Zechariah, was, uh, he was a priest. He was a priest in the temple. So he would have understood the whole story of, of Israel and the way that God was, was planning to use Israel to redeem this world. And he had, he had Aaron... Uh, Moses' brother Aaron, uh, that was the line of priests, and Zechariah was from that line, and he would have understood his role in the temple, his role to bring people to relationship with God, and that was actually bringing people to the temple and doing the temple ceremonies. It says that Aaron was a, yeah, he was respected and that he was a good guy. If he was a priest, people would have known who he was, right? He would have been in some way a bit of a, a public figure. So people would have known who he was, and he would have been held in high regard in, in the Jewish community, Zechariah was married to a lady named Elizabeth. Elizabeth and Zechariah lived a good life, and they both walked in the ways of God. 
Uh, it says in Luke 1, 6 and 7, um, both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren and they were both well in years. So both of them were blameless. They lived a great life. And then this word caught me, um, but. But they didn't have children. So why did that come in, the but they didn't have children, right after it said they're really good people and they lived a really good life? Uh, To understand this, I think we've got to even go uh, deeper. Like, it it shocked me. Like, what's the emphasis on but they didn't have children? Um, I think there's importance in that. And the first thing is, is why would, why would children be important? Why were children so important in, in Israel's history? Or, or for the, the Jewish people to understand, why are kids so important? Uh, they would have all known the stories, especially the story of creation. And one of God's first commandments in that was to be fruitful and multiply. To have kids. That was a command by God. They would have understood that. right? That we as, as people, our job is to actually have kids. And they would have known the story of, of Abraham, who is the patriarch of Israel. He's the father of, of this great nation. And it said, um, I'm going to make you into a great nation. And how am I going to do that? By making your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, or as numerous as the, as the sand in the seashells, or sand on the sea shore. Uh, that's... That's how, that's, how, like, that's how he's actually going to sp- spread God's salvation and his news of redemption is through people. So they would have got that. For us to have kids was actually part, in part of us doing God's work of salvation, was us having kids. So I thought it was so interesting that they didn't, but that it says that they lived a good life, but they didn't have kids. I think this is like the same way uh, that when they would live a good life, people viewed it. That if you would live a good life, God would bless you with kids. It's almost like when you take your kids to the, to the grocery store, and I don't have kids, so I'm not there, but for the parents who take their kids to the grocery store, but I was that kid, uh, when they're misbehaving, you tell them that at the end of the shopping trip, at the end of the grocery trip, I'll get you a prize. I'll give you a reward for being good. Uh, and you all know what that reward is. It's when you finally get to the till, you turn to the side, and you've got like the temptation aisle, like on both sides. Uh, I was at Walmart this week, uh, doing some grocery shopping, and I like, I'm there, I'm paying, I'm like, no, I've got one purpose, I'm here to pay. And then right away, you get like, just like sucked into these, to these tabloids. I don't know if that happens to anybody else, but I was just like, I was just stuck reading these things, and some of the things that are on there, it's like, they're kind of embarrassing to read. Um, but this guy in front of me, he like turns around, and he's like, uh, best part about going to Walmart is catching up on all the latest gossip, huh? <laughs> and he's like, learning how to lose, uh, or learning how to get rock hard abs in six days. And I was like, I didn't really want to talk. I was like, I don't know what to say to this guy. Uh, so I like nod and then think I'm like, no, I got to justify why I was reading these things. Uh, it wasn't for the, who's getting a divorce, who's, who's, um, yeah, going through a child dispute or how to lose weight over Christmas, which seems impossible. It was actually like one headline that caught my attention, so I'm going to like admit it right here, because again, I'm trying to justify myself of why I was reading them. Uh, it was Harrison Ford doesn't, or Harrison Ford's kids don't think he's cool. <laughs> that was like, that was the hardest thing for me to believe in that, that whole, <laughs> whole section. I'm like, who can't think he's cool? That's like, that's Indiana Jones, that's Han Solo. I'm like, he's a pretty popular guy. Uh, but you all know the aisle that I'm talking about, right? 
that like if you if you are good, you're gonna get a prize from this aisle. Not those magazines, but the candies. You're gonna get a candy. And that was almost the way that the the Israelites would have viewed kids. I know that's kind of harsh, but if you are good, God would bless you with kids. So it was weird that Elizabeth and Zechariah didn't have kids. Like it was a little bit of a, a weird thing. And I think people would have got that. They're like, well, if you're so blameless, if you're so upright, you should have kids. Um, but let's continue the story. Uh, while Zechariah was doing his, his priestly duties in the temple, all of a sudden the angel of the Lord appeared to him. Gabriel. This is the same angel that we heard about last week from Trent. Uh, Gabriel came to Zechariah and he has a message for him. Uh, the angel said to Zechariah, do not be afraid. Your prayers have been answered and you and your wife will give birth to a son and you will name him John and he will be a joy and a delight to you. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit right from birth and he will prepare the way for the Lord. But all of a sudden, Zechariah, he hears this and he sees this angel right in front of him and yet he still doubts it. He says, I'm, I'm well in years. I'm getting pretty old. How can I have kids? We've been praying for this all, all these years and, and you've given us nothing. How can you actually uh, give us these kids? And he kind of doubts, he doubts the angel. Uh, and as soon as it happens, the angel just tells him a few things and then silences him. And I was like, that's kind of interesting that he just silences him. And I think in part, it might have to do with some of that doubt that he just doubted the angel that he could do this. Um, but even through this, I think God's, or yeah, I think God supplied more than just one miracle of giving them a son, John. He actually gave Elizabeth a husband that listened for nine months. <laughs> so I think there's a couple miracles in the story. Um, but what is the importance? He says, uh, when they're finally able to have a kid, Elizabeth gets pregnant, like this miracle, this miracle is happening, this miracle of birth that they never expected. God's answering these prayers. And then when it comes time to it, uh, the, when the child is born, it says they were going to name him after their father's, after his father's name. And I was like, okay, what, is, what does that mean? After his father's name. Uh, and then Elizabeth actually says, no, we're actually going to name him John because that's what the angel told us to do. We're going to name him John. So I started to think, like, what is in a name? What is importance in a name? Why would somebody name a kid after their father's name? And a name, especially in the, the Old Testament, in that Jewish culture, a name would have represented who's above you. It would have represented whose authority you're under. Uh, it would have represented your identity, and it would have actually represented your purpose in life. Right? If you've got your father's name, you're going to follow in your father's footsteps and you're going to do his, his work. You're going to take up his career. But naming him John is actually quite important. That God gave him, give him the name John. Which is saying that his parents are actually saying by naming him John that the, this kid doesn't actually fall under our, our identity. Right? He doesn't necessarily follow under our authority or our purpose. By hearing the name John given by God, he actually falls under God's authority. He's actually in God's identity and he's got God's purpose. There's huge importance in, in just the name John. Not so much in the name John, but in the way that God named him, that God named John. He gave him his purpose and his authority here on, on earth. And as soon as they named him John, as soon as they fulfilled that, and as soon as they named him John, Zachariah was able to speak. 
And you think like after nine months, he's probably got his mind filled with all these things that he wants to say. Uh, probably all these things that Elizabeth was saying that he couldn't have answered back. Uh, but now he finally gets to, he's been thinking all this time of his arguments that he can finally say this back, but he doesn't actually go there. Where he goes is he goes to praise God and he sings a song. So we finally hit to that one hit wonder portion of our, uh, of our morning and of our, our message. So if, again, if you'd like to follow along, we're in Luke chapter 1 starting at verse uh, 67. It says, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to, to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hands of all who hate us, to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant the oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hands of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. So I just want to stop there uh, for a little bit. And there's a few things in here, like I said before, that the content is just so good. Uh, like there's some just really good, rich content in here. And the first thing is, is just realizing uh, that God has come to redeem his people. This is a time that God has, uh, yeah, that God is coming to redeem his people and he fully recognizes that. And as a priest, he would have understood the whole history of Israel and realizing that actually Israel was meant to redeem people. But here's a, a specific step of what's happening uh, for God's plan of redemption. And he brings up a few people that God used in the past, right? He used David. David was a plan of God's uh, redemption for Israel. What a good king actually looks like on earth to raise up good people who follow him, who know the Lord. And then the other one that he brings up is he brings up Abraham, that Abraham was part of God's redemptive plan. Uh, and this is the one that really stood out to me. Why would Zechariah bring up Abraham in his song? So if those of you who don't know Abraham, I talked a little bit about him earlier. Like he's the patriarch of the whole nation of Israel. God went up to him and he said, uh, through you, uh, I'll make a nation and that nation is going to be, is going to be great. God uses Abraham uh, to make his nation and part of his redemptive plan, right? He knew that the world was messed up and he's using Abraham to actually start to get back on that path so people can be in a relationship with God. And, and Zechariah uses this guy, and I don't think it was by just like just throwing it in the song because it sounded good. Uh, I think he uses him on purpose. And there, there are some few things that really, like, that I was reading, and I was like, these two, like, these two characters, there's a lot of similarities between Zechariah and there is in Abraham. So I started to go through it, both the lives of Zechariah and the life of Abraham, and I'm like, what are these things that stand out? And the first one is that they're both really good people. They're both upright, blameless in the eyes of the Lord, and they're both considered righteous. They're righteous people. And when God, yeah, God told Abraham to go to an unfamiliar land, and he didn't even know. The first time he talks to him, he says, basically, Abraham, go to this land that I'm, uh, I'm sending you to, this unfamiliar land, and Abraham just says, yes. Right, and just complete faithfulness. Right, these guys are both doing the work of God that they were called to do. Uh, Abraham and his wife were also really advanced in their, in their years. They're getting old and they didn't have a child. They lacked a child and God promised them both a child and both of them kind of doubted it, right? Zechariah doubted, but then even Abraham's story goes a step further when, 
when God tells Sarah, Abraham's wife, that she's going to have a kid, she even finds it humorous and she laughs in the face of God thinking that this isn't going to happen because she's getting too, too old to even have a kid, right? They're both too old to have children, but yet God's going to use him. When they did have a son, when God finally gave Abraham a son and he gave Zechariah a son, he said, and you are to name him, for Abraham's case, you are to name him Isaac, and for Zechariah, you are to name him John, right? God named both of their kids. He gave them both a purpose. And the biggest parallel, like these are some already like really significant parallels, but the biggest parallel that I see between them is actually, is actually the mission of both of these stories. The mission of Abraham's story and the mission of, of Zechariah and John's story are just so similar. So let's go back to actually understand what the mission of Abraham was. So we're going to read from just Genesis 12 to really quickly. Uh, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and all people on earth will be blessed through you. That was the mission of Abraham, to be a blessing to all people. It's that word all that really stood out to me. You will be a blessing to all people, not just a few, not just to the Israelites, the select few, not just to your son, Isaac. You will be a blessing to everyone. And I was like, that, that's really... That's really significant. And the whole world will be blessed through this one group of people. And the way that that happens is that people actually have to share about them, that they have to live a good life. The Israelites were called to live a good life and to bless other people, that it was never just about them. It was about everybody else. And I was thinking, um, yeah, the Israelites, some, sometimes they did that. Sometimes they were a blessing to all nations, and other times they weren't, and they fell into the temptations of other nations. And God's seeing that. He knows this plan, this promise that he promised to Abraham years and years and years ago. And then he's actually using that promise and he's bringing it to John to fulfill it, even though that was thousands of years later. And he says to John, this is a prophecy said about John when he started his ministry. Uh, this prophecy can be found, it's written by Isaiah, but it can be found in Luke 3, 4 to 6, a voice of one calling in the desert. So this is sharing about John. Prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill made low. The crooked road shall become straight and the rough ways smooth, and all mankind will see God's salvation. So there we have it again, that word all. All mankind will see God's salvation through the, work of, through the work of John, through what John is doing. John was here to share about the one that was coming. He was here to prepare the way. He was here to prepare the way for the Lord, to prepare for this one that we're here in Christmas and that we're celebrating. He's here to prepare the way of one that was born to redeem this world, to fulfill God's promise given years and years and years ago through Abraham. But the coolest thing in these stories of both um, Zachariah and John and Mary and Jesus that Trent talked about last day or last week is that God trusts humans. God trusted John with the most important message of all time, the coming of Jesus, right? Prepare the way for him. He trusted him with his most prized, uh, his most prized message, the good news. And he trusted a human with this. Right? God likes humans and he wants to use them and he trusts them and he gives them purpose and we can partner with them, partner with God. 
He trusts Mary. So he trusts this, uh, this 12 to 15 year old girl who wouldn't have read up on all these parenting books, who wasn't experienced in parenting. He trusts her to raise his most delicate and precious son, the one that he loves. He trusted Mary. Did he have to use humans to fulfill his plan? Absolutely not. But he actually chooses us to go through that with him uh, for, that, for that redemptive plan, to be part of a mission with God. Um, and the crazy thing is, is he actually, it's not just in the Bible times, he actually trusts us now. He trusts us to share this message of, of Jesus, to share this message of Christ, to share of this baby that came and changed the whole world that Jeff was just talking about with these kids, one that just brings love. Um, but what is this message? What is this message really? What are we supposed to be sharing around Christmas time? We, we tell people or we hear this thing that we got to share about Jesus around Christmas, but what is this message that we're supposed to share? And I think we figure out more about what this message is when we read on to Zachariah's song a little bit more. So we're going to pick up uh, that song at verse 76, uh, if you're following along. For you... My child will be called the prophet of the Most High. This is talking about John the Baptist. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare the ways for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in the darkness and in the shadows of death to guide our feet into paths of peace. And it was this word at the end, the one who's going to come to guide our, our feet to paths of peace. This one that's going to become, that's actually going to be the one that brings peace on earth. And that's what we hear so much around Christmas time. Uh, when Isaiah was, was prophesying about the one to come, this is what he had to say about, about Jesus. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. So in this time, we're, we're worshiping one that actually guides us to peace, that brings our, our feet to, to paths of peace. And Christmas, Christmas is a great time to actually reflect on, on what ways has God actually guided our, our ways to paths of peace. And we're in a time right now that peace seems doubtful. Right? If we look in the media, like it seems, it seems scary. That is there actually going to be peace or is there going to be war? What's this actually going to look like? But in time, we can actually re reflect back and look back into a time uh, where there was war. And Jesus came in there and he actually brought peace, but not in a way that we expected. Expected a king to come and rise up and bring peace, but he did it in just the gentlest way of a, of a baby. One that was part of God's plan since the beginning of, of, uh, of creation. Knowing that, he would, knowing that he would send his son. And this baby grew up and he was one who, who brought peace. He brought wisdom. He brought knowledge. He brought love. He brought joy. He brought unity. And he brought equality to everybody so that everybody could hear the news of, of Jesus and that it wasn't just reserved uh, for a select few, that it was for everybody. This news is for everybody. But how could that be done if only a few people share it? How can everybody, like it says, all people, everyone, how can that be done if there's only a few people through history, somebody like Abraham or John, 
How can that actually happen to all people if just those two people are sharing or just a few people are sharing? That's where, that's where we actually come in. And we've got to share about Jesus. Um, and Christmas, there's what, a, what better time to share about, about Jesus than Christmas? Everybody knows uh, the story or they have an idea of the story. Most people do, not everybody. Um, but it's a great time and a great introduction to even share about, about Jesus. Uh, it's a time to share more than just presents and family gatherings, large meals, Christmas parties, and eggnog. It's time to share about the Prince of Peace that is bringing salvation to us. And I want to invite, as we're concluding, the, the band uh, to come up. But Even John, even John, um, after he was born of Zechariah and Elizabeth, and he was having his ministry, and in part of his ministry was, yeah, part of his ministry was sharing of a news of repentance and baptizing people in repentance. There was a new way that people were excited about, right? They're hearing this new, this new news that John was sharing, and there was something special behind it. And as John was teaching this, people heard this, and they're like, oh, this is revolutionary. I'm going to follow this guy. This guy's got some really good stuff to say. And when his followers asked him, John, uh, are you the Messiah? And his response was, there's going to be one to come whose sandals I'm even unworthy to untie. And then all of a sudden, he saw Jesus coming. And when he saw Jesus coming, John actually sent his disciples that he had, and he sent them to follow Jesus. John knew that it wasn't about him, that he actually had to share that, that it was never about him. The message of Jesus was never meant to be kept to ourselves. So in this Christmas season, I think we hear this saying, spread Christmas cheer. I think we hear that all the time, but we don't really know what it means. And we, we get this idea, oh, spreading Christmas cheer, that means just saying Merry Christmas to our neighbors with a big smile on our face. And I think that's part of it. But I think we're called to something a little bit more. We're, we're called to prepare the way for the Lord, just like Zachariah sung about in his song that his son was going to do. So how can we do that? I think there's multiple ways. I think we can do little acts of kindness, showing the love of Jesus by just shoveling our neighbor's walk or, or paying for somebody for Tim's behind you in the drive-thru, or maybe inviting a family. Maybe there's a neighbor that doesn't have a, a family for Christmas, so they have nowhere to go. Maybe it's just inviting them over for your Christmas meal. Maybe it's as simple as inviting people over on the 24th here for a Christmas Eve service. But one thing's for sure that all these things are done not just to be a, an end goal, but they're actually done to open up doors for the opportunity to share about the, the story and the love of Jesus. These things are done to actually get opportunities to share. Once you actually serve somebody, build a relationship with them, you can share with them. So you still might not think, I can do that. Maybe God can't use me, but I want to remind you, if God can use Zechariah and Elizabeth, who are old in their years, who don't think that they can have kids, and he uses them to, to birth somebody who's going to prepare the way of the Lord, if he can use Mary this young girl who, who had no experience parenting, and if he can use her to, to, to birth and to, to raise the Son of God, he can use you. And if he can use John the Baptist, a guy who lived in the desert, wore camel hair, ate locusts, seemed a little bit crazy to prepare the way of the Lord, trust me, God can use you guys. Uh, God can use you, and he wants to use you. So let me pray. God, thank you. In this time, it's a time that we're able to reflect and we're able to uh, see the ways that you 
have been working your, your redemptive plan all the way from the beginning uh, with Abraham. And even before that, that you are with your people and you're walking with them and that you fulfilled that with, with Jesus. By sending your son to this world, Emmanuel, God with us. That he is with us, that he is, uh, walks with us and that we can be in a relationship with him. Because he came down here first to be with us. Uh, that's such, such a beautiful reminder. But God, this is news that everybody needs to hear. It's a news that brings us so much love, so much joy, and so much peace and makes our, our paths to paths of peace. And I pray that um, we feel confident that we are able to, to share that with other people. And this peace isn't meant to be just up for, our, for ourselves, but for all people. And that we're able to share that to all people this Christmas season. I pray this season is a time of reflection, uh, a time uh, with family and just a time that we're able to just to see how blessed we are uh, through you and that you sent your son for us. I pray these things in your name. Amen.